Welcome to the Right Place, Right Time podcast brought to you by Place Specialists Thinking Place. I'm John Till, the founding director, and through these podcasts, which you can access on our website, we take a look at different aspects of place through the insight of key players in their field. And it's fantastic to have with me one of the leaders in the world of property today, Phil Mail, who is Managing Director of Nationwide Placemaker Muse. And congratulations on your new role, Phil, I think we should say. Um, he's a member of the Morgan Sindel Group Management Team and Board Director for English Cities Fund, which is a 200 million mixed-use regeneration vehicle owned by Muse Legal and General and Homes England. He's also a member of the British Property Federation Property Leaders Council. He has overall responsibility for Muse's portfolio of regeneration projects across the UK, creating mixed-use places with the emphasis on sustainability, community and quality. Its regional businesses are based in Manchester, Leeds, London and Birmingham and Muse currently working with partners in 36 places um, across the UK. So a huge amount of activity, Phil, it's really brilliant to have you with us today. I know people are gonna really enjoy um, the comments that you've got um, on your world related to place, but we can't do anything else but start where we always do with where your favorite place is and why. Thanks, John, and, and thanks for the introduction. That's quite quite something. I, yeah, I'm not sure I'm worthy of some of it, but we, we will see. You can, maybe you can form a judgment by the end of uh, end of our chat. <laughs> um, uh, favorite place. This is is something I've kind of mulled over, knowing that as you say, you usually start with it with this question. I think um, it has to be absolutely has to be. I think um, for 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 a number of reasons, predominantly professional, but some of them personal as well. Um, the area around Salford, um, Chapel Street, New Bailey area that I've worked on uh, for the last oh, 16 years or so, 15, 16 years, for, for a number of reasons. One, obviously, a huge amount of professional pride that I've worked with such a fantastic team of people, particularly colleagues at, at Salford Council. And you know, you, not that long ago, you chatted with, with Tom Stannard and Tom and uh, Paul Bennett and the team there, Jim Wensley, the, you know, have been, we worked together for years in, in a real kind of collaboration, which is what you know good places are all about. So there's a, the kind of the professional element, and um, there's just just seeing the change and how you can how you can kind of embed that in existing communities without displacing, which I think has been you know quite quite a challenge, but quite an achievement, generally speaking. And then there's the the, the, the small things. So the um, the train into from from where I, I live in in Wigan, the, the train in my train line goes into uh, Central, and the number of times I've been sat on the train and people have kind of peered over and seen the scheme as it kind of goes goes through the middle of, of Chapel Street on on the one side and New Bailey on the other, and I've heard a, a family you know somebody say oh, that's your dad's scheme or that's your mum's scheme, and it's somebody who's worked on it because yeah. it's such a big thing. And to see that, you know, that everyone owns it, it isn't, you kind of, I use, I try not to drop into the eye, but sometimes you do drop into the eye, the, the first person, but um, but to hear other people have ownership of it is, it can be quite, uh, quite thrilling as well. So 
Um, that's the main. That, I think that that favourite place for all those reasons. Yeah, no, I get, I get that, and I suppose that's a good introduction to you talking a little bit about about Muse and about your approach to placemaking, which certainly seems to be very renowned. Mm. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that's evolved. That's that's very fair to say. I mean, for those who those who don't know, we were formerly um, AMEC development. So we've been around 40 years. So there's a lot of knowledge embedded in the business from that 40 years and kind of passed through. About, again, about 17, 16, 17 years or so ago, we, um, uh, AMEC PLC, our owners at the time, decided that they wanted to go back to being kind of the core business of engineering. So we we were sold on and we were acquired um, by Morgan Sindel Group, as you mentioned in your uh, introduction. And um, that necessitated a a name change. And I think that kind of tied up with where we're at at that stage of the business. And my former MD, uh, Matt Crompton, his colleague in in London, came up with Muse as in mixed use. So that's where where Muse comes from. I never knew that. (laughs) Well, there you go. Uh, We used to have a dot in between M and use to to try and and explain it but i think that was you know that was the that, that kind of signaled the direction the business was going mixed use placemaking but i'll be honest for, for kind of period of that time i think it was still very much about bricks and mortar and although we did a, we, you know we've always done long-term development still always about bricks and mortar and i think you know over the last kind of 10 12 years or so that shifted because you kind of realize that, that unless you're creating a place you're not creating value. And, mm-hmm. and, and what I mean by value is in every sense of that word. I mean it in pounds, shillings and pence, but I mean in, in terms of contribution to community. I mean in terms of what we start to call a regeneration premium, which is kind of where you're improving the viability of schemes over a period of time as over and above different markets. So so that's been the kind of evolution. And then I suppose the key thing I have to say is everything we do is in partnership. And and that word tends to get banded around and attached to quite a kind of range of partnerships. Ours is yeah, absolute. We, we don't do anything without working with partners. And that, that can be at a national level, such as English Cities Fund, which um, you mentioned, and which is, you know, which has delivered the Salford scheme. Or it can be at a, 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 and or at a local level. So that's, you know, with the likes of Salford, in, in now coming um, old and where I'm sat today in the offices of um, the Stockport Merrill Development Corporation. So we don't achieve anything on our own. Mm. And and that, I think when you kind of wrap that into mixed use and everything else, that, that then becomes about uh, the approach to place. And I mean, related to, I suppose, an element that particularly interests us, as you know, is I wonder how you see the sort of role of a forward-looking narrative story vision people call it different things in terms of contextualizing that development and making sure it does develop as a place and i suppose i'm reflecting particularly on the changes that homes england have made now in terms of if you don't have that you're not going to get their support as a place so i wondered how you saw that well i mean first and foremost we so we're approached as you as you'd imagine, and I don't want to kind of come this could come as a big edit in any way, shape, or form. But we get approached by a lot of 
local authorities predominantly um, to see if we're uh, to soft market test and see if we're interested in working in in the in their place. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, the first thing we do is caution against. I want one of those mm. approaches. You know, the number of times the things we've done. You know, we've delivered in the northern quarter in Manchester over the years, which which culminated with the with the Mackie Mare, which you know we brought back into use. Uh, and, and facilitated its its use as the food hall that it is now, and um, it's done by Nick Johnson, um, or the the market hall, um, a more traditional market hall with a new food offer in Warrington, say. And we quite often get, I want one of those, and the first thing, well, alarm bells start to ring because that just shows a misunderstanding of what they understand their unique characteristics to be, what their place is, and second, it kind of rings a bit of an alarm bell around around leadership and vision, and and a sense that. Uh, developers come in and do something to a place, and that that's wrong. That, that's looking at it through the wrong end and under the, the telescope. On the flip side, those that you go and speak to say, "Look, these are our ideas. We've looked at what we think makes us good, what makes us unique, and sometimes that's drawing on the past. Sometimes it's looking forward, but it's a coherent direction. There's leadership behind it, and it is. We now need need the skill set." That you bring coupled with our our passion and our our commitment and our team to help deliver it that then sets the tone for the place so to your point to your question that's needed to take things forward otherwise you end up with this cookie cutter approach and dare i say it you know notwithstanding the drive to retail through the kind of 70s and 80s that kind of homogenous kind of one size fits all approach to town centres, I think we're now seeing, you know, the, the very much the downside to that, that they weren't able to adapt and change quickly to, to changing circumstances, which in the changing circumstances that came through the kind of the first part of the 1900s, because everything was some more indi- individual, places responded more quickly. So I think, yeah, future vision of a place and leadership to back it is critical. So presumably then that the, the Homes England move is something that you welcome then? Wholly. Um, I mean, we're part of the, the, the discussion with Mike Palin, obviously one of your previous guests, and with, with Peter, um, or the two Peters, around what needs to happen to make an impact. And I think there's a kind of a realisation that kind of the previous incarnations of the agency had, had perhaps become of, and, and not just them, I think to a certain extent, smaller extent, maybe some of the regional development agencies as well, as well, was you turn up in an area, I won't use the word place because it might confuse with what we're talking about, turn up an area, you facilitate a new building, you know, the, the ERDF or the single programme or whatever plaque goes on the wall, you go, well, we've changed the economy. And that just doesn't have the impact. That doesn't bring together the different functions that's needed to drive a place forward. And I think a new approach of, look, the agency will support those areas that have got that clear vision, that have defined the need, that understand what the ask is, and that can be people as well as, you know, capital. But there's a clear direction. I think is you know is absolutely what what we want to hear. Um, so I think the agency is obviously going on a journey in terms of its structures now responding to that, yeah. its internal structures to support that. But hopefully that will, you know, that will fall into place pretty quickly. They've got the right leaders to do it. And I think you'll see, you know, a real, a real push then and a, and a real drive. And if 
whether it's a continuation of the current government or or a new government in in the next 18 months, 12 months, whatever it might be, a, a kind of less politicization of if that's a correct word of of the process and a more of you're the agency you 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 know where the you know the places that, that are ready for that we back you i think that will be that will be very welcome as well no no that's good the one of the sort of views that that people seem to have is that the developer is entirely focused on the red line of the development and everything within that and everything outside of that may as well not exist. I mean, how do you view all of that? How do you see the bits beyond what you're actually charged with delivering? How how do they influence what you do? That's, that's a really good point. Um, so I'm, as I say, I'm sat in the offices of Stockport MDC and we were I'm wearing an ECF hat. We were procured um, very recently to deliver the, um, to partner them with the delivery of the Stockport 8 scheme, which is a new, uh, will be a new kind of residential area on the opposite side of uh, of the viaduct uh, from where I'm sat now, connecting in then to the rest of, of kind of top Stockport town centre and, and beyond. And I remember this being sat in this room in the procurement process saying, to the MDC representatives, look, if you expect us to stop at the red line, you'll be picking the wrong partner. Mm. We need we will we need a conversation with you about what your intentions are beyond the red line because otherwise we're not connecting into your communities. And I was pushing very much at an open door in that conversation, but it is incredibly important and that comes back to the point of partnership that you need partners who will look beyond that. We, we've had that with Salford for years. We've started that conversation with Oldham and it's a conversation we're now having with Stockport that it doesn't, <laughs> the world doesn't work to red lines yeah. and actually increasingly it's stop, stopping working to boundaries, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's beyond, it's look, how can we harness the strength of Stockport as a whole and even beyond that, the strength of Stockport as a whole to deliver this if we stop at a red line we're, we're failing we'd be failing our partner for a start i mean you've, you've mentioned a couple of great examples that kind of illustrate your approach one of the ones uh i'm particularly interested in because we uh, did a little bit of work with it was st helens and etc mm. um and, and i wonder how that has come together obviously we we were in there with cbre at the beginning mm. in terms of mm a view of the place and the narrative and obviously that's another big project 100 percent. they um it's interesting the so we almost had that played back to us in, in truth so we when we first got involved in in saint helens we said that this had to be a borough-wide approach and it had to be a borough-wide approach that was focused on a number of things but i guess you could put two at the top of the list the revitalization of the town center yeah. which I'd suffered from some of the things I was alluding to in an earlier answer of a big homogenous shopping centre where it had a number of blank ends that blocked off big chunks of the of the town centre and the revitalisation of the district centres because if they're not functioning either and they're not connected and there's not a sense of connection between them and the town centre, we've got a problem. So that, that those are the two kind of primary things. You've got all the rest that we layer on top of that which is again about place now, um, around well-being, about creating aspiration for the community, all those things that 
developers didn't kind of whisper or utter in the past. I think the thing about playing back is, so we, that, that's how we came in. Um, as we developed the plans for the town centre, the, the leader, uh, David Baines, uh, who's been, you know, been a fantastic partner, challenged us continually and challenged our team to make it more St. Helens. Yeah. And that, you kind of think, well, yeah, what, what, what exactly does that mean? And it involved actually engaging with you know the, the people on the on the town deal board, the local you know the obviously the uh, St Helens Glass, the local um, and the the World of Glass Museum, and then um, the Chamber of Commerce and the local higher education um, or further education college, I should say. Uh, having somebody who watched Wigan at the weekend even engage with St Helens Rugby League, I, I kept I, you know. Kept smiling in those meetings, kept kept nodding despite the fact that they were winning the grand final yet again. Um, but you kind of engaged with those people. So again, it wasn't about landing in and going, "Hey, guess what? Guess what we did in Warrington? You can have one of those." Mm. Or guess what we did in Manchester? You can have one one of those. It was about making the place, and that and that challenge kind of continually came back. You know, what are the strengths of the town centre? Where's the civic pride? What do people believe in? What's it, you know, what what what's gonna make people say, you know what, yeah, that's I, I'm going to go there now instead of jumping on a train or on a bus and going there. So there was a lot of that involved in, in the conversations. And I think truth is those conversations are still going. It's not yeah, it's not right, oh, we've done it, that uh off we pop. It's those those conversations will continue and they'll continue in phase after phase. Because the thing the thing, if I can kind of digress for a second, the thing that people forget about towns and city centres is they've they've always been in a state of flux yeah. always there's not one point you can go ah oh, well that's it that's when everything's settled that that's just a nonsense they've always been at the heart of our communities and always been the first place that's responded to change whether that's the place is being uh, populated in the industrial revolution because there was no transport so you went to you put you, know, you sat you lived cheap our child your place of work and they tended to be where the town had evolved from a river connection or a road connection uh, or a canal connection in the case of St Helens and then to a realisation or a kind of depopulization was people moved to the suburbs to be away from the industry because it was easier connections back into the town centre or the town centre as a, as a re, very much the retail function as the consumer side took over but then led to things that, you know, again, that we're now unpicking where that was probably overdone. And uh, um, actually then technology changes that. So they've always been in a state of flux. So the conversation about what what is St. Helens or what is Stockport or what is Oldham, whatever, will, will always continue. So long as you keep having the conversation, that's the critical bit. Yeah, no, that's a massively important point, which one that we are constantly talking to places about is it's always been an evolving face that people are really good at putting on the rose tinted glasses and looking backwards and saying oh it used to be marvelous when you know and etc yeah. when was that you know and etc there's always yeah. been challenges always been change um yeah. the um i mean you, you touch on on something there with St helens about about listening um i mean stakeholder engagement obviously is always vital for any development, how, how how do you approach that, and how do you try to sustain it through what can be quite a lengthy process? Mm. Mm. I this is learned from experience. 
this is a, a a fine line to walk. So you get um, it's a fine line between engagement. Listening is is really important. That kind of, that old saying of two ears to one mouth is is really really important. I think when it comes to en- engagement. So you've got you've got being engaged. You've got making sure you go to the right places because there's so many voices aren't heard in consultations and engagement. So making sure that you 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 know you, you're tapping into every level and, and and sector of society, but not tipping over to the point of people feel like um, it's all talk and no action. Yeah, and um, you know the number of places that I've worked where um, people have. I said, will, will you just get on with it? This is my fourth master plan you've asked me to come and talk about. I can see the same artist's impressions or what they think are the same artist's impressions. Just get on with it. So you kind of walk a fine line. I, I'll be honest, I have, and I've spoke about this before in public forums, I have a concern that aspects of our industry are changing consultations I'm into being another way of selling property. So they they you know they, they'll have a consultation that will be very much driven by the by the demographic who may well and, and this is predominantly in residential development, I have to say. Driven by the demographic who who may well occupy. So the consultation will have, you know, a craft ale stall and a and a and an acoustic band or whatever. And it will be, you know, pop, pop, you know, all, all the language of a of a certain demographic, which is fine, because we need to cover every demographic. But immediately, you know, a lot of people see that and think that's not for them, yeah. and automatically feel excluded. And I think that's something we need to watch very, very carefully. By all means, do it, but don't do it to the detriment of everybody else. And it's something I'm seeing creeping in more and more. And I think some of the consultations we're doing. We've been doing on St. Helens where we've been to the local, you know, the kind of the village shows and what I'd be saying with Presswich, where we've got a, a scheme um, at the moment. But, you know, we go into every community group so that we can genuinely hand on heart say we've heard everything. I think the other thing, just to finish on the point, um, that is really important is in consultation. It's going to sound a bit glib, but it's honesty. I think the number, having a conversation that says, Yes, I hear what you're saying, but we cannot do that because of this. Mm. It's so important because it builds trust. Yeah. And too many times people go, fill that form in or fill, you know, go online, give us your comments. And it's like, right, okay, well, we get sick. And they don't feel like that person doesn't feel like they've had engagement. So being able to say, look, we understand the point, but because of these reasons, we cannot do it. Now, that person doesn't always go away happy. But I think they go away feeling like they've been listened to and they've been given a reason why you can't do something. So that that's an important point, part of consultation as well. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. There's nothing worse. We see lots of places where there's raised expectations, where there was no hope of delivering it, you know, and, yeah. and the hoardings are still up from 10 years ago. And yeah. as you said, the trust has gone then. So. Yeah. Difficult. I mean, looking looking ahead, looking ahead now, and obviously you're in kind of a, a leading position in this world. I, I wonder what you see as the big factors influencing development now, and what what changes there might be for the industry and what it's responding to. I think I put it. I probably put it in in three baskets. 
there's certainly a lot more than that, but I'll put it in, in three three baskets. I think for people who are working in, in our kind of fear of, of regeneration, I'll go back to the point I made about partnerships. The a big, big issue is the state of local authorities, um, finances and and people. We cannot do it on our own. No. Absolutely cannot do it on our own. We need a strong partner. And that sometimes doesn't always, but sometimes involves finance, also involves people and resource, and that's a big concern. And I think that's you know I don't you don't open an email you know the email newsletters we all get in the morning. You don't open one these days without seeing some authority saying, "Look, we're, we're in danger of, of of issuing a one one four notice." That's an issue, and. Whichever government is in power, it, it needs to grapple with that because it's, it's it's a problem. That's the first thing. Start on a on a negative, so you have to forgive me. On a positive, I think I'm seeing people like us and other developers who do what we do playing a more proactive role in bringing a, a more diverse range of um, people into into the industry. And, and when I'm when I'm talking about diversity, I'm talking about every form of diversity. I'm talking about social as well as and economic, as well as ethnic minorities and gender. And for too long, people like us have sat back and said, "Well, we only employ people who are five or ten years post qualified, so we we so the people aren't there." Well, yeah, exactly, unless we do something more proactive. So we're just about to sign. Or in fact, I've just signed an agreement with Oldham College to take on two T-level students every year who will, will, will work with us and, and we will hopefully give them the skills either to progress in the industry or not. Now, okay, two T-level students a year isn't going to change the industry, but if more of us do it and more give a glimpse, because it's not just it's not just about being able to for us to have the right conversation with our partners who who in many respects look and sound. I'm I'm from Oldham, so I can I look and sound like you know like a number of people across the table from me in Oldham, but but don't look and sound the same as, as we do, and we and therefore we can't kind of necessarily understand and deliver on against issues they've got. The biggest thing for me is also is the very people who are sat on the edges of what we're doing and looking out the window, feeling isolated from it. Uh, that's done by developers. And it's for people who don't, who aren't me. And I, and I think, that, you know, we can do something to break that down as well. I think that's a really important thing. That's the second thing. I think the third thing is, notwithstanding recent announcements uh, last, at last week's um, Conservative Party conference and, and in the lead up to it, sustainability and um, and that being embedded in every form of development we do is is here and is not going away. And there, and there are a number of drivers for that, notwithstanding you know, the government's view, but um, or the current government's view. But it's so if I, we're delivering a scheme in in Chapel Street in Salford at the moment that's that's passive house certified now, if, and it's affordable. So it's with a registered provider, Salix Homes, and they'll be um, available for affordable rent. Now, if I, I if I walk in when that tenant walks in, the first tenant walks in, and I say you've got a passive house home low carbon, et cetera, they'll, they'll look at me and go, oh, okay, great. If I tell them that their energy bill is going to be 80% less, that really matters. Yeah, definitely. And and so it's, sustainability is here to stay, but not necessarily 
I think carbon will drive it, but I think necessity of of what you know of, of outcomes will drive it. And what I mean by that is low energy, uh, particularly um, efficient homes that will you know that actually improve well being as well. And if we can deal with those things, actually we're having a wider benefit in society as well. So I think those are the three things I could. Could probably reel off another 10, John, but I'll focus yeah. on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no that's, that's that's brilliant. No, really insightful, I think. And, and time has sped by, not surprising, because it's great to hear all of your thoughts on that. And I'm sure, as I say, people will find it really, really interesting to, to get behind, I suppose, again, something that perhaps they don't really encounter and don't understand and appreciate, which is why it was really important to do this. So thanks so much for your time and for the absolute honesty in terms of how you're actually portraying what yourself and what Muse do. So that's great. Thank okay, you. thanks a lot. Cheers now. Cheers.